Welcome to the Essence of Health Tea Time Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shayla Toombs Withers. As a double board certified family and obesity medicine physician with over 12 years of experience in medicine, I teach motivated individuals how to achieve their desired quality of life while preventing and reversing chronic diseases. It's tea time. On today's episode of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast, I have a special guest, Abby Feeder. Abby founded Encircle Fertility after emerging on the other side of her all-consuming struggles with infertility and pregnancy loss. During her six-year path to becoming a mother, she and her husband created the podcast, Maculate Conception, to process their deep grief and isolation while going through treatment after treatment. Through that podcast, women from all over the world reached out to Abby, and almost accidentally, she began to help them on their own journeys. Abby meets women and couples wherever they are in their path to parenthood and wherever they are in the world to provide the support and guidance needed to find a resolution. More than explaining what's going on in the process of assisted reproductive technology, she holds hands and hearts through the often grueling experience. Abby grew up on the mean streets of New York's Upper East Side and holds a degree in behavioral science. She is married to filmmaker Isaac Feeder, and they live in Los Angeles with their toddler twins. Welcome to the podcast, Abby. Thanks so much for joining me. Gosh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I love your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So Abby, just tell us your story. What made you feel led to work with those challenged by infertility? For sure. So as you alluded to, I went through an insane six-year journey to my children. I did get out on the other side with my twins. Not everybody has that luck. So I feel very blessed. And I mean, you name it, we went through it. Pregnancy loss, ectopic pregnancy, a termination for medical reasons, IUI, IVF, multiple retrievals, failed cycles. And I don't think anyone thinks this is going to be part of their story. We certainly didn't. In fact, we would have friends and family that were going through it and we would say, oh, thank God we're never going to have to go through that. And so every time we would hit a wall, I just would say, I can't believe this is our story. I can't believe this is our story. And there was nowhere to really process that. Mm -hmm. My husband and I both had access to therapists if we needed them and support from our loved ones. And we still felt like we didn't have anywhere to turn or people were just not saying the right things. And so we started our podcast, as you mentioned, Maculate Conception, which came out many, several years ago before there were so many infertility podcasts out there because nobody was talking about it. And so we started talking about it and we got so much feedback from people that this was like, finally, you know, it was my husband, Isaac and I, it was our late night conversations, our fights, our doctor's appointments. And, and it really takes you through what the experience is like to go through IVF. And so, like you said, from that, people were just reaching out to me all the time because, it was like finally being talked about. It was like a valve was released from pressure of isolation and trying to keep these things hidden. And so I realized that there's this huge gap that needs to be filled because doctors are, even the best of doctors and nurses, they could be burnt out. They answer a question that they hear a hundred times a day. They might not go into detail for you. Your therapist is amazing, but it's like, 
you know, 6am on a Wednesday and you don't have therapy till 4pm on a Thursday, what are you supposed to do in that time? Mm -hmm. And so I just felt like, how can I work to fill this gap and hold the hands? And I do so many different things with all different clients because each person's gap is different. Some people need more emotional support and some people just need more logistical support and some people just want things to be explained to them. And so I really feel like I'm, I tailor to what each client needs, which is exactly what I would have wanted when I went through it. Yeah. And that's so important what you do. Even me as a physician, I'll be the first to say that there is a difference in what we get from textbook knowledge to what someone may have from real life lived experience. Um, And that was really one of the reasons why I was excited to even have you on the show too, because a lot of times, like you said, it's we as women, we don't always talk about pregnancy challenges or pregnancy terminations or carriages and all of these things because it's it's not a, a happy subject as much as right. so it's, it's just tends to be more taboo and and people really don't want to talk about it and then even for physicians we may you know know medically what to tell you but if we haven't experienced that ourselves some of those other things you may be struggling we may fail to mention or may not even relate to because we haven't had that same challenge so yeah the work that you do is so important within the realm of that and so what are some of those common emotional challenges that those with infertility that you found that they face out of the women you've talked to A lot of women, surprisingly, because I didn't feel this, but a lot of women feel shame about their body not performing in a way that it quote unquote should, especially with miscarriage. There's a lot of shame around miscarriage for women to do what's considered the most natural thing to give birth, right? Or to get pregnant and give birth to not be able to do that. There's a lot of anger and shame about your body. Like, why is your body failing you? For me personally, I never got angry with my body. I just felt very confused by all of it. Like, I do believe in God. I do believe in universe. And I was like, why would the universe be testing me like this? Why would God be doing this? I don't have an answer for that, but those are some of the things we talk through. And I think, like you were saying, a lot of women keep it quiet because They're actually subconsciously taking care of the person they're speaking with. So you don't talk about it necessarily with your best friend because you know that it's such a hard conversation. Your your best friend's not going to know what to say. So you're protecting them from feeling uncomfortable about not knowing what to say or do. And why I think it's so important for us to talk about these hidden emotions that women feel while going through infertility is so that people do know what to say Or they say, I don't know what to say, and I'm just here with you. I think those, that's what I find from my clients they really need is like the safe space to be seen and heard and not feel the pressure of, is this person going to say the right thing? Like they can just be themselves with me and vent or cry or scream about any piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you touched on that too. One key thing is, is listening how powerful listening is. Even I remember when I was in medical training, I had an attending say, if you just ask one question and take the time to truly listen, the patient will probably tell you everything (laughs) of what you need to know. Totally. We forget just how important actually just listening. Sometimes people do, they just need that, that outlet and just that need to be heard. And it just 
needs to be listened to. So yeah, yeah, I'm glad you, yeah, and you I think, touched on that. You know, one of the, yeah, one of the things I do with my clients is make sure that they're a right fit with their doctor. And many of them say they don't feel heard. And I think it's something so small from the medical perspective that can be done is like really just to make space for that. And I understand, you know, you might hear a hundred stories a day, or you might've heard the same thing over and over, but just so little of like taking that quiet time to hear the person's full story makes them feel so human and so seen and heard. So I think it's such an important piece. Yeah, yeah. And I can totally believe that. Unfortunately, in our medical healthcare system, the way that things go, it, it's so, you know, time and it's so rush, rush, go, go. It was really, you know, one of the driving factors as to why I opened my own practice the way that I did and the way that I set it up, because I found even myself, it was so rush, rush. I didn't really get to know my patients or get to have those deep conversations to discover other ways that I can help my patients. And by opening my own practice and, you know, making all of my appointments an hour long, which is just unheard of in the traditional uh, space of medicine. But, you know, we would sit down, we'd have a free COVID where you could just really sit and chat. We have a cup of coffee together and we just talk the struggles they may even have of getting to work or why they, you know, haven't picked up their medicine because some other things happen. Things beyond just that, that general conversation that you're able to have. So I love that. Cause I don't think anybody sets out to become a doctor to like, look, obviously to look at paperwork, right. And ignore your, your clients. So many people set out, especially women, not to overgeneralize, but so many women really want that personal connection to feel like they're helping somebody else personally. And Mm -hmm. they forget about that. They lose sight of that sometimes. So I love that that's the way you run your practice. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And, and, you know, it made me as a, as a, just a, a human feel even more fulfilled just to just sit and have that, that human connection of people. So yeah, yeah. And so while we're on the, the medical aspect of things, what are some things that you wish you even along your journey prior to seeing your doctor about infertility? I wish I knew that IVF doesn't guarantee you a baby. Because when my first round of IVF failed, I was shocked. I thought you debate doing IVF because you're not sure you want to spend all that time and money and emotion and pain. But then once you decide to do it, you're guaranteed a baby, right? No. And of course, now we've learned all the nuance to why and how and what. And I just, it never occurred to me. And it's like, I don't want to be out there as a negative Nancy, like, well, that may not work, but sometimes we need a better set of expectation tools. So knowing that we shouldn't expect for sure a positive outcome would have been really helpful for me along the way because it floored me at the time. I think it's easy to say now that it's so trendy, but I wish I'd have frozen eggs. I mean, that wasn't my particular problem, but had I done that piece of it at a younger age, I think I would have felt more confident, you know, when things weren't working out the way that I wanted them to. I just, I don't like for women to assume that that's a guaranteed insurance policy because sometimes there are still issues, even though you've frozen eggs, but I feel like it would have just made me feel a little more like I had a safety net. My daughter now, like I joke that for her 25th birthday party, like I just want her to go freeze her eggs or they're going to start having like egg freezing parties at the, you know, right, for your 30th party. birthday. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> I know, right? You could like register yeah. for some drugs, some medication and right. I don't know. So, and I, I, to the positive side, I will say 
I can see how infertility brings relationships of all kinds, but especially marriages to the brink of every threshold. And I don't think if you'd have asked me before I met my husband, do you think you guys can survive this? I'm not sure I would have said yes. And we really did. Mm -hmm. And we're lucky. Some people, I could see, I feel like it either brings you much closer together or it tears you apart. And I, it's nice to know that we went the direction that we did, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And even with the freezing eggs, I read an article, maybe uh, even a year or so back, and it talked about how women in general were having children at a a later age than previous generations. Medically, we already know that that's going to set some odds against us by waiting, but because of the way that our society is that up and having to, you know, get your finished school and finish college and get your career and climb the ladder and all of these things before you feel like you're in the right place, whatever that is, to be able to have a child, then you miss potentially all of these, <laughs> these more fertile years for yourself. Yeah. And so that's, that's a good thought too, you know, really absolutely to, to, to put that into even maybe their career planning. Where, where I know. I really wish, and I think we are over time going to get better at this, but I wish that that piece of the conversation were a part of reproductive education in schools, because even if you feel like junior high, high school is too young to talk about it, I personally think it's not, but let's just say you're in a district where you do, then at least in college, like when you're talking about career paths and business plans, like why don't they even mention this piece of it, right? Because it does impact your fertility will impact your career and your career will impact your fertility. So why don't we think about it holistically? Look, I know a lot of women hope to live that dream of having it all. And I think with enough tools and education, we can find a way to maybe not have all of it, but most of it, or to design it the way that we want, as opposed to life defaulting to a place where we didn't design it. We don't have any eggs left. We thought we married the right person, but now we're at the brink of infertility and we're miserable. And now I'm going to have to start all over. I mean, all these things, like we don't think about planning that long-term. Right, right. And then even with the cost of it too, even if we were able to lower the cost so that the 20 somethings could afford it and be able to do that, it could make things less costly on the other side of things. Cause you well, know, and it's, it's, it's such costly. a good point. First of all, my husband and I had no insurance coverage. Like we joke, my kids are four and a half now. And I'm like, you guys better go to get a job early. Cause your college fund <laughs> is spent. You know what I mean? Like it's, right. Joke yeah. about it all the time. But it's interesting with the, you know, great resignation that has happened over the course of the last few years with more people choosing and opting out of career paths they thought that they might stay in. A lot of bigger companies are extending fertility benefits as a means to keep people attached at the at the company. And I think that's so fantastic because taking the financial stress off of that part of the journey is going definitely, definitely going to give higher quality work, higher loyalty to the company. Like, I just want every company to get on board with that. Right. Yeah, that that would be so awesome. Yeah, for sure. If you're frustrated with your weight, taking more medications than you like to, have been told that you are at risk for the development of a chronic preventable disease, or just are not feeling in the best of health, then I'm talking to you. Why? Because you're tired of fat dieting. You know it's time for a change and you want a sustainable plan to improve your health. 
If you have found yourself at this place in life, well, I have developed a program that's just for you. It's called The Essence of Health, and it's your prescription for transformation. My goal with this program is to give you the tools needed to create sustainable lifestyle changes within a group coaching setting, along with one-to-one individualized coaching to give you a personalized path to health that's just for you. The benefits are priceless. So join today. Head on over to eohcoaching.com to learn more. The essence of health is in you. And now beyond traditional healthcare, what are some other treatment modalities that you have found to be helpful either to yourself or even to your clients when they're challenged with infertility? So the pretty basic one that I think gets the best reputation because reproductive endocrinologists, many of them stand behind it would be acupuncture. And it's so great. I can't say enough great things about it with the caveat that it's worth spending the time to write find the right place for you because some people, they find an acupuncture facility that's like so far away or doesn't have good parking and it becomes really stressful. And then you're like defeating the whole purpose of going to begin with, right? right? So in a best case scenario, you're going to acupuncture because the needles really keep your blood flowing. When your blood is flowing, you can nourish your ovaries. You can make sure the hormones are going where they're supposed to go. You keep things more balanced. And let's just say that you don't believe that part, which you should, but let's just say you don't. At the very least, you're setting aside, you know, 45 minutes to an hour a week. That's just for you. Or hopefully you can take a little nap, maybe do some meditating and just let the needles do what they're supposed to do. So I highly recommend acupuncture to people. I did literally all kinds of bizarre weirdo things along my own journey, including let's see. Well, I believe wholly in supplements. Like I don't believe that supplements or acupuncture are going to make it or break it. But I think that Again, when you're thinking holistically, you want to give yourself every possible best chance. So I do believe in tailoring some, a a list of supplements to each client and they really just make you feel better. So why not do it? Um, And by the way, that's for both partners. There are plenty that the male partner can take as well. And then I did like, here's a couple of crazy things I did. One was that I had this one acupuncturist tell me that I should put Epsom salt in the corners of all my house and speak into the Epsom salt like my fears, my stress, my frustration, and then let it sit there for a week and then vacuum it up. And the vacuum will like take away the stress and frustration and anxiety. Ah, okay. Now that, I mean, that is a new one. I had not heard that. And, and, you know, I, I probably was looking like, where is Abby going yeah, with this? You're like, what is she talking about? I saw that face. Oh, she doesn't believe me right now. And you know what? It can't hurt anything. So why not try it? Right. You know? Yeah. No, but what I love about it though is the it's, it's the mental thing. It's a mindset exactly. exercise, exactly. But it, it's done in a tactile way by you know actually taking the action of putting the Epsom salts down and taking the action of vacuuming it up. But yeah. it, it's a mindset thing because it helps you know put your mind at at, at that ease once you're right. You, I'm letting go of this. So I'm not totally. wrapping this up. And along the journey, there's so many times where you're like, oh, everything is out of my control. There's nothing I can do. Like that is one small thing that you can physically do. I find Mm -hmm. that most of my clients are very type A. They want answers. They want lists. They want reasons. I mean, who wouldn't? And so that's just like one thing that they can do. And it's funny because even before this tradition that I started with this one acupuncturist, I highly believe in what I call the salts cure. So sweat it out 
get to some salt water, take an Epsom salt bath or cry. Like salt is so healing. And so it just felt like it was meant for me because I already loved Epsom salt and already use it in my bath. Yeah. So I was like, this is perfect. Oh, <laughs> and I then like I also, now, now I'm going to have my, my, my clients start sprinkling salt. Do it. Too, <laughs> Why not? You know, <laughs> why not? Like it can't hurt. And I did all kinds of like, I went to Reiki healers. I did energy healing, like you name it. I, I did it. I love all that stuff, yeah. whether it works or not. Like I believe in it. Right. So. Yeah. And, but you know, there, there is some, some science to some of those things too, especially oh, yeah. for acupuncture and other parts of the, the world outside of the United States. People have used these modalities um, for healing for a number of things. So yeah, I agree Absolutely. with you those you know, they, they won't hurt. They definitely won't cause the situation to be worse by right. doing those things. Yeah. So why not try yeah. it, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. All right. And so how does a service like yours with the kind of coaching that you do, how does that then augment the care that one may be receiving at an infertility clinic? So exactly like we were saying before, it literally just fills a gap. So sometimes I will, like clients will have an appointment with their doctor and then we'll schedule an appointment after where they will have taken notes and we'll go through and debrief and they might have a luxury of a lot of time with their doctor. It's rare, but they might. And there's still things that either don't make sense or they forgot to ask. So we also prep a lot for the appointments to try to make sure we make the most of the time that you will have face-to-face with your doctor, because that can be a really frustrating part of it. Some clinics, you don't, you're not even allowed to talk directly with your doctor. You can only talk to the nurse. They can leave a message for the doctor or there's a portal, but the doctor doesn't read the messages. And some clinics, it's, it's such a range. It's so frustrating. And then some doctors give you their cell phone numbers and you can text them anytime. So it really depends on what each client and each clinic experience is. And also like making sure you have the right team. I always say it takes a village to make a baby, not just to raise a baby and finding the right clinic for you. So many women come to me thinking, well, I had this kind of not great experience at this clinic and it left a really not nice feeling in my gut, but you know, I should probably stick it out because I'm sure they want the best for me. I'm sure it was just me. And the answer is no. Like I want to empower you to find the best team of people so that you feel like you're in control of this journey. Because like I said, so much of it is out of your control. Like let's take the pieces we can control and put them in pristine order. So that's where I feel like, and honestly, the more I do this job, the more I work with different clinics and different doctors And the more like I'll have a a patient do a Zoom with their doctor and I'll come on the Zoom so we can sort of all talk Mm -hmm. about it together. And fertility doctors Mm -hmm. are very grateful that we're, that we exist because it makes their lives easier, you know? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't don't work in the field of infertility, but I can compare it to seeing some patients in my office and sometimes they aren't the best of explaining their situation, but just having a caregiver or a friend who's knowledgeable about what's been going on with their situation and who can offer some additional information. I would always welcome that because it it does, it it helps. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's not like you're paying for it anyway from the medical perspective. So it's great (laughs) for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and it really makes my job easier to, you know, to have. Exactly. All right. And so now is there anything else that you would just say that you find is important for someone who's going through this challenge for them or their partner to know? 
don't wait for anything. Like this is one of my pet peeves about everything in the medical field, right? Oh, you know, you don't need to come back for a colonoscopy for five years. Well, in five years, a lot of damage could be done, right? I hate that piece of the medical field. So especially with infertility, they tell you to wait a year of trying before going to see a specialist if you're not getting pregnant. And if you're over 35, it's six months. But if you have a gut feeling that something might be wrong, please go sooner. Either lie to them and tell them you've been trying or tell them you just want some testing. I firmly believe in getting the very basic testing done pretty early. Just once, like once you're going through, you're like, let's say you're, look, this is for classical heterosexual relationships. I know they don't all work like this, but you get engaged, you're preparing for your wedding, like go do your genetic testing because you just don't know what you don't know. And usually by the time you find out it's too late. So my biggest piece of advice is like, don't wait. Even if you feel like you're being pushy or nudgy or annoying, find the the doctor that makes you feel like it's okay to ask for what you want, which is genetic testing. For women, get the very baseline test of like your thyroid, your follicle numbers, your stimulating hormone count, all those basics that they can do with one very simple blood test. Like there's no reason you shouldn't be educated about that. Yeah. You know, some of the, the guidelines are based on, on science and what we know sure. about, you know, the way things may grow or yes. those things. But then some of it, I will just straight up tell you is based on insurance and what your insurance said we can do or what we can't do. You're right. So, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. So well, one tip like, I would say, yeah. yeah, even for those people listening is that there are doctors like within my practice, I don't, I don't work with your insurance. I don't bill your insurance. I'm not in your network because I'm not in any of the networks. Yep. Um, but because of that, I'm able to do things out of the bounds of your insurance. Now they're they legal and they're ethical, um, but course. I don't have to, yeah, I don't have to wait on certain things because your insurance came up with this arbitrary thing that has to be waited on. So to the audience that's listening, if you can find a, I would say direct primary care, if you look up DPC, those are cash-based practices. Uh, concierge medicine. If you look up that in your local area, you can typically find a concierge type of practice where they take cash pay. And because they're able to take cash pay, a lot of times it's going to be cheaper, believe it or not, even what your insurance copay may have you pay. And the other part to that is that those doctors and facilities usually aren't on any insurance plan. So they aren't held to any standards that your insurance company may make them do. So you're able to have more flexibility in your care. Exactly. And I just want to add that I did say to lie about your, how long you've been trying, which I stand behind. It doesn't mean that you endorse that as a doctor. <laughs> right. But that that, yeah, that yeah. is a, that is an Abby feeder recommendation. That's an Abby feeder only, <laughs> Abby feeder only, but like yeah. your doctor's not going to know if you've been trying four months or seven months. Do you know what I mean? So if you're feeling like you need that testing, go for it. And like you said, of course, trust science, but like so many women or couples that I know did they waited that year and then they were slow to go to the doctor and da 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 and da 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 and then three years later they started trying they're nowhere closer and they're shocked that they have to do IVF right so right. let's just get yeah. as many All answers lined up off. yeah by then maybe you were thirty five now you're thirty eight like you don't know what's yeah. going to happen to your body in those three years. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Abby. Oh this gosh, was fun. Thank you. I was happy to have you share this information. Now, how can my audience connect with you more? Thank you for asking. So my company is called In Circle Fertility in like I am In Circle Fertility. You can find me on Instagram. I love me some Instagram uh, message me there. And then I actually have a new podcast coming out 
right around the time that I think this is going to come out. So it ends of April called the Fertility Chick. And it is a lot of what we talked about. It'll be combining women who have career and have struggled through fertility issues. So you can find me there on Instagram as well. And then wherever you podcast, please, please come find me there. And I really, I love chatting anything reproductive health with people. So anything you want to talk about, come find me. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll have all of that in the show notes. So just take a look and connect with Abby there. Well, thank you so much, Abby. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I adore you. Awesome. Thank you for joining me today on the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast. Click the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss a moment of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast. Check out the show notes to obtain your free tips for healthy living guide to get you started on your health and wellness path. Follow me on social media at Essence of Health Wellness Clinic on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and at dr.tw at eohwc on TikTok. Interested in becoming a member of the Essence of Health Coaching Program? Well, head on over to www.eohcoaching.com. The Essence of Health is in you.